Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Well, good evening. Yasas, as they say in Greece. You probably maybe go to Greece for your holidays or to the islands. But God called Malcolm and I to Greece five years ago to the mainland. And sometimes mainland Greece is quite different to the beautiful white uh, and blue things you, you know, beautiful sceneries you get in the islands. And you go to Greece and you think you've seen Greece and then we show you stuff like that. Because that's Greece. Um, tenth year into recession and uh, no real signs of coming out of it too much um, and yet something is changing the atmosphere is changing and we were one of the mad crazy people that decided yes Lord we'll go to Greece five uh, five and a bit years ago having led a church in uh, Ireland before that we were leading a church in South Africa we've traveled around a lot our connections with Ivy actually come through Lynn Swart so if you know Lenny then we got to know Anthony and Zoe and then we got to know uh, Deborah and slowly but surely we got to know more and more people and then we've had the real privilege of having some of the residents come through the last couple of years out with us for a week we get them all roughed up and trained up and prayed out and worshipped and goodness knows what else it's illegal to proselytize in Greece this is what they actually have it in their um, their constitution we're not allowed to walk up to somebody and start a conversation about Jesus we can um, sing songs we can have a conversation with people and if they ask us about the Lord, then we're entitled to tell them about Jesus, whip out something from the back pocket like a, a tract or something else like that. And we're allowed to do the conversations like that. But if they felt like it, they could put us into real trouble. And uh, 10 years ago, somebody was put in prison for sharing the gospel. Um, things are changing rapidly because of the um, situation we've now got um, with the recession. Many changes have had to happen for the nation. And we're going to be talking to you tonight about something that we've learned more and more and more about in the last five years, about praying. And uh, saying, and we particularly called it tonight, big prayers, ask God for a mountain. And before we get all super spiritual, one of the things Malcolm and I never realized when we went out to Greece um, full time with no salary and uh, a part time job that Malk had teaching English as a foreign language was how much we'd have to really depend on God to provide everything for us. And he has been absolutely amazing. And in the last five years, we've now got a building which we rent out and we've made a community hub where it's a welcoming space to all people of all ages, of all backgrounds, of all religions, where they can come and feel loved and welcome. And uh, a couple of years ago, we fundraised for that. And because we fundraised for that, it kicked us into having to begin a charity. <laughs> then we began a charity. You know, one thing starts and you follow it through. And so we began a charity about a year or so ago, and that's called LP The Hope UK. So LP The Hope UK is our UK charity, which funds all the kind of projects that we're now doing over in Greece, particularly onto the refugee camp. Now, we're not here to talk about all of those things tonight. That was giving you a tiny flavor of what we do. If you do want to know more, we have got some funky postcards with a very nice photograph done by Ms. 
Smith, when she was over, she really seeded into that and helped us. Um, and so please pick up a postcard. It's got an open Facebook page um, which tells you some of the work that we're doing onto the refugees camps in Greece, of which is unbelievably heartbreaking, but actually some incredible things are happening onto the camps. And also the church is that we are founding and planting, which we started from scratch five years ago. I don't know, somehow God took two people who didn't speak Greek at the time and were still learning. <laughs> Um, slowly, slowly, seeger, seeger. Um, you know, God took us and, I don't know, we just turned up. We just showed up and suddenly God said, right, two people that are crazy enough to believe that we're going to go on this big adventure and see what God's going to do. And praise the Lord. We have now up to 50 people in our community, mainly Greek people in our community, who would never have known about Jesus five years ago if we hadn't showed up. So can you imagine what chaos we could cause if we were all prepared to do something wacky in our lifetime and go out and do something out of our comfort zones, as Lucy said earlier, on tonight uh, and trusting God and the promises that he's made. So we're going to talk in big promises. I'm handing over to my wonderful husband, Malcolm, for a few minutes. And then in a minute or two, I'll be back giving you some more stories. But if you can see these postcards at the back, grab them for further information. And if you really feel like seeding financially into our work, which we desperately need, we'd be very, very happy that that would happen. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks. Do you know the Bible is full of people praying big prayers? And on the board, just a, a few of them, David, Hannah, Jabez, Jonah, Jesus himself, the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come on earth as it's been done in heaven. We're meant to live our lives on earth as they're living them in heaven. And that's a really big prayer Jesus made for us. But I want to talk tonight, just for a few minutes, on one guy. Could we put the next slide up? Thanks. Caleb one of my heroes in the Old Testament, one of Moses' spies that went into the Promised Land. And at the age of 85, he goes up to Joshua and says, Josh, a word, please. And he says this, Give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day when we took over the land. You heard yourself that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but with the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out just as he said. There's Caleb saying, give me another adventure, Lord. I'm only 85. Come on, I haven't finished with me yet. Give me that mountain. What a prayer to make at the age of 85. He says, Lord, there's a hill there. There's a mountain. I want it. It's promised to me. I'm going to go and take it. Joshua, let me go. And what happened? He took the mountain. He made that big prayer and he took the mountain. But the interesting thing about Joshua um, and Caleb, they were two of the twelve who went into the promised land. Let's put the next slide up. You know, Moses kept, was kept being told by God, go and possess the land that I promised you. Go in and take that land. The land is yours. Go and get it. So he takes the Israelites all the way to the promised land. And then suddenly God says to him, send in twelve spies. Let them go and check out the land and see what it's like. So you know the story. So Moses sends in twelve spies. But they weren't really spies. You know, we think of spies as James Bond, you know, going in and all the rest of it. These 12 were leaders. They were the leaders of the 12 tribes. They had power and authority over the people that Moses was leading. They went into it and only Joshua and Caleb said, look at the land flowing with milk and honey. Look at the fruit. Come on, guys, let's go in. 
the other ten said, yeah, but um, there's a bit of a battle ahead. You know, there's giants in the land and we're like grasshoppers. We can't do it, guys. No way. Do you know, they started rebelling. They were about to stone Moses to death for taking them there. And Moses knew he didn't have the leadership with him. He didn't have the leaders to take them into the land. The leaders didn't have the vision to take the land. And there's something about leadership and faith that must go together. Only two of the 12 says, hey, God said it's ours, let's go and take it. The other 10 said, no, we can't. And isn't that the battle we all face today? Don't we all have those battles? Yeah, it's great to say, you know, come and join the families and, and we can do a work. Ah, yes, but that's going to cost me. Yes, that's going to take my time out. Well, guess what? Yes, it will. God wants us out of our comfort zones and doing things which will challenge our faith because he wants us to grow in faith. And these were 12 leaders that power and control. Next slide. When you tackle something bigger than yourself, three things happen. One, you grow spiritually and you pray much more. I've learned more about prayer in the last five years in Greece than in my first 30 odd years as a Christian. Because all of a sudden, it's that or nothing. It's God turns up or it's, it's over. You know, when, when you've got bills coming, you say, Lord, either you provide or it's over. And we can say five years on just how faithful God has been. But I tell you what, it, it's not comfortable. It puts you on the edge and you have to trust God. And I think that's so important for us. He wants a people of faith who believe in what he has promised us. He, he, he wants us to take the land. He says, come on, guys, there's a mountain out there. Go and take it. But it takes faith to say, yes, I'll go. I'll take that risk. And, and the first thing is you grow spiritually. Because God doesn't want you staying as you are. You're a work in progress. He's got great things ahead of you. He wants to teach you more about himself. But he'll only do that by taking you on the adventure with him. By going with him on the adventure and learning and growing as you go. And I tell you, I, we've learned more about prayer in the last five years than ever. And um, this last year has been the hardest year we've ever had. You know, we've had families, a first family that we led to the Lord broke up, you know, they, they had, they'd just been divorced. They're the first couple we led to them, and we had to walk through that this last six months. And that's painful. God never promises it's going to be easy, but he says, oh, but do it for me. Let's go on to the next slide. Your leaders must have hearts of faith. And that means you must have hearts of faith. Lack of faith and the fear of cost and failure prevented them going into the promised land. And instead of going forward, they went back for 40 years. They went backwards, back into the desert. They never grew, they never saw the fulfillment. Only Joshua and Caleb, of those grown men, went into the promised land. It was the next generation that then took over. I believe God is saying to us tonight, Get out of your comfort zone, take risks with me, and I'll prove myself to you. The second thing, can we just go back one slide, sorry, go backwards. 
is you learn to depend on God and not on yourself. You see, in, in our society, we, we're so comfortable. We've got, we've got jobs, we've got money coming in, it's, it's comfortable. And we say, why should we take risks when our lives you know, are nice and orderly? Um, I love Trish because Trish is always taking risks. Um, I want to tell you a story um, just happened the other week. Um, we had a, a group over and we, they're going to do messy church on a Saturday night. And on the Sunday morning, we we're going to do baptisms. We had a couple on the camp. Uh, you saw them in one of the pictures. And they, wanted, they were Iranians. They were secret believers in Iran. They've escaped and they wanted to be baptized. So we said, yes, of course, we're on Sunday morning, we'll do that. But on Saturday night, we're doing messy church, kids work with a, with a kids team, and there's a power cut in the building. So at five o'clock at night, you know, an hour before we're meant to start messy church, there's a power cut. And Trish says, I think we should swap the programs over. Let's do the baptisms tonight instead, and we'll do messy church in the morning. And I'm thinking, no, we can't. Because we've got everything organized. We've got people coming. They're coming tomorrow morning. They're here tonight. The, the kid's coming. She says, no, I think, I think we should change it round. And I've got to be honest. I thought, ah! <laughs> but Trish had the faith to say, no, I think this is what we should do. So frantic phone calls all over the place telling people things have changed. Um, Akbar Nega, the couple from Iran, says, guys, you're in Al-Qaeda, aren't you? Well, we're going to baptize you tonight, not tomorrow morning. Y yeah, yeah, we've got clothes. Don't worry. We'll, we've got to change of clothes for you. We'll sort that out. Just get down to the beach. We'll see you there in an hour. And they arrived with another couple who were on the camp with them. They were spending the day together in Al-Qaeda. So they brought them along to their baptisms. And, and this couple, um, one was from Turkey, one was from Syria, a married couple, and they watched as Akbar Nege got baptized. And at the end, um, one of our team got talking to them and said, um, can you pray for us? Because my wife's suffering from insomnia. She, she can't sleep at night. She's in a terrible way. So we had the privilege of praying for this dear lady um, who was suffering from insomnia, and we prayed for her. Then we saw them on camp the next week and said things were much, much better. This week, we led them both to the Lord. Now, I could have missed that because my program said, no, no, tonight is messy church and not baptisms, because they wouldn't have been there on the Sunday morning for the baptisms. So sometimes God throws your life and throws it up in the air and it comes down in different places. It doesn't matter. Go with what God tells you. Trust him in all that he does. Let's go on to the couple of slides. Um, pray big prayers, guys. Don't fall short. Anyone can occupy flat ground. That's the easy ground. But it takes faith to tackle a mountain. And I believe God is saying to you guys tonight, what's your vision? What are you prepared to do? Are you prepared to climb a mountain for me and take the high ground? Next slide. It's in overcoming the work of the enemy that you become the person God wants you to be. Totally dependent on him. He asks us to trust him. He says, trust me. I I'm there with you. I'll walk alongside you. But trust me, and I believe it's when you take on the enemy that you grow in your faith. It's when you, when you take on the challenges, and, and we've been challenged here tonight to look after families. It might be for some of you that's exactly what God is asking you to do.
but do it. Don't find the reasons why you can't do it. Find the reasons why you can. And say, yeah, Lord, I'm here, I'm available. I think the biggest prayers start with God use me. That's how the biggest prayers start. Ask him for a task that will keep you learning, growing, uncomfortable, and hungry for significance. Don't ask for a problem-free life. You'll die of boredom, okay? And a lot of people in church are bored mm. because they're going through a routine of going to church on a Sunday, hearing a preach, prayers and all the rest. They're not actually doing anything. They're not being challenged to get out of their seats and go and make a difference. And what we love about Ivy is they're prepared to commit and say, come on, guys, let's go and make a difference. Let's, let's turn Manchester upside down. Yeah. And that's what we love about this church. Mm. So you're prepared to say, hey, let's go and take the ground. Mm. Come on. We've got God's armies behind us supporting us. We've got the armies of God on our side. But it takes faith and it takes risks. Trish. The last part was about celebrating victories. And I think this is really important that we do things together. So we just want to give you some answers to prayer that we've seen God uh, do for us in the last uh, couple of years. Not because we think, we're, well, look at us and our big prayers. Just because we, we've got a big God. And uh, we felt challenged to really start praying bigger prayers, you know, taking a stride and making that stride bigger than ever before. Because as you begin to take that stride in faith, God fills it and he does some amazing things. So some of the things, if we can just flick onto the next picture, uh, big prayers, things, our big prayers. So here's some of our big prayers. We've been praying now for a good few years is we pray over our city. We've got a fort over the city where we live and we often go up there to pray. We pray for a lot of stuff. We don't just pray, oh Lord Jesus, please bless Halkida and whatever. And we, we pray about the education system. We pray about the justice system. We pray about the logistics and the transportation into the city that God will bless it. We pray about the bridge. We've prayer walked the bridge because there's a big suspension bridge into our city and people were jumping off it and killing themselves so we did a prayer walk twice to say Lord we, we're taking away the spirit of death on this bridge and we're proclaiming hope and life and since we've done that nobody's killed themselves so I mean you know some of these prayers you just have to get really practical don't you it's true because if we don't stand in the gap, who does? That's the thing, you know? So we feel this awesome responsibility that there's this, this city, and this is a fascinating uh, thing. When Ollie and Tim, Ollie Davis and Tim, Tim Burr, <laughs> how can I forget Tim's last name? When Ollie Davis and Tim Burr came to us two years ago, up to the fort we went, and we were praying, and I just noticed Ollie got the scriptures open. So I said to him, okay, Ollie, what have you got? And he said, oh, I got Jonah 4. I said, well, what does it say? And he says, it says, um, this is Jonah feeling all sorry for himself, you know, at the end. And God had, all these people had repented and, you know, done what Jonah knew was going to happen. But yes, Nineveh had repented. And there's Jonah having a big conversation with God, feeling very sorry for himself. But God said to Jonah, will I not have compassion on 120,000 people in the city who don't know their left from their right? And as Ollie read it out, I looked there and I couldn't believe it. I said, Ollie. There's 120,000 people in the city of Helgitha. 
come on how specific can that be and we had the most amazing prayer time on the fort that day because we realized God really is with us in these prayers I tell you what we've got bigger and bigger these prayers there's been a hospital that's been shut for nine years a brand new hospital never opened um, they've got the money to refurbish they've they've put everything in but they can't afford the doctors and nurses so we've got this terrible old hospital in the city that nobody wants to go to like I was sick really sick in January and I just made Mark drive me to Athens because I just couldn't I just couldn't trust the doctors in Helge either so he drove me to Athens and I had to have a gallbladder operation out you know in in uh, in Athens and um, just couldn't trust this place in, in my own city because it's not good enough but this brand new building is sitting there unopened because the government can't afford to put doctors and nurses in there to open it up so we're praying about that praying about a factory that shut five years ago and made 5,000 men redundant which is a massive big thing in the city and you've got many men in their 50s and 60s they'll never get another job and there's nothing else to go to there's no other options I mean the unemployment is horribly high in in Greece most people that serve you the coffees and teas in the coffee shops have degrees Either they all leave Greece and go and get jobs somewhere else around the world, or they're going to try and stay, hang on in there, and hope that something changes for them. So we pray into these situations. We pray these big prayers. There's, we're praying for the new hospital. Now, the reason why there, that's the vision. That's the, that's the, um, the actual artist's drawing of the new hospital waiting to open. We'd love that open in 2018. Can I have an amen for that, please? I'll let you know. Okay, then we're praying for the community on camp. And as you can see, with Akbar and Nega and this young couple that just given their lives to Jesus this last week, we're now beginning to get a bit of a small community going onto the camp. After two years of prayer walking, that camp is mainly Muslim. And we love the people there. We serve the people there. We haven't walked in with, you know, tracts and Bibles. We've just loved them. We've respected them. We've honored the fact that they've come through the most horrendous, harrowing journey of their lives that they're running from the worst kind of atrocities you'd ever want. Who wouldn't get out of the country? I would. I'd have been on that stupid dinghy to get across to another country. Yes, you would. But the fact is, is that we've not been able to march in too strongly with you know, our, our faith, just loving people, earning the right and the respect to pray for people, which we have done so. But slowly but surely, something is opening, something is changing. And we're, we're so grateful to God that now we've got a small um, believing community on the camp. And we're hoping for LP, the Hope Ritzona one day. That would be fun, wouldn't it? That would be great. A new airport. Now, believe it or not, this is nowhere near into being yet. This is a, this is a Trish Morgan. This is a... This is a Trish Morgan crazy prayer, but I tell you, Evia is a big island. It's the second biggest island in the whole of Greece. And Crete has three or four airports, and Evia has none. And if you want to come to Evia, you have to go to Athens and then fly and then come up. And that's an hour and a quarter away. Every other little island's got an airport, but we don't. I think we need an airport. We need an airport to open it up. Thanks. We need an airport for the logistics, for the employment. You, you see what happens when airports come to the place. So this is one of our crazy big prayers that hasn't come to, to pass yet, but we're believing God for a new airport. Can I hear an amen for that one? I'll keep you up to date on this. Are you enjoying this evening? Good. Okay, let me tell you about this last picture, Peggy and her daughter, Ileana. Oh, where do we start? I'll try not to make this too long. Um, the first person that we led to Jesus, that's the most beautiful girl um, 
had a sister, and this is her sister Peggy. Peggy lived upstairs. It's very Greek, you know. Um, the families all live next to one another, above one another, across the street. That's the Greek community. They haven't changed that at all. And so when you begin to get to know a family, it's quite normal to get to know the extended family quite quickly. The mums, the dads, the grandmas, the yayas, babus, and whoever else is around at the time. It's, it's just wonderful, and we really love it. And Peggy... Uh, became very interested in the things of the Lord through my friend. And so she decided that she would um, have an alpha course in her house. Now, when the Greeks worked till 9, 9.30 at night, an alpha course is very difficult to do. No, I can't get an alpha course going with a group of people. You have to go one-on-one. So this is how we've done alpha in Greece, is one-on-ones. And somebody decided to subtitle the really old-fashioned alphas, where Nicky Gumbel's trousers come up to here, and he actually has dark hair, not grey, you know. Anyway, they love him. So we, we play these old-fashioned alphas, and we start at 10 o'clock at night. That's the time I start going out to do an alpha course. So most of you are thinking it's time for my bed. I, we're getting in the car and I'm thinking to myself, I'm stark raving bonkers. It's, it's winter time and winter can be very cold and snowy in Greece. But here we go off to Peggy's house to do alpha once a week with my friend Maria. I get there one day and she's really upset. And I said, what's the matter, Peggy? And she goes, oh just been told that my supermarket just before Christmas and the entire chain is going into liquidation. And I said, right. And she goes, it means that um, in time I will lose my job, but right now I've got to nominate people that have got to lose their jobs before Christmas and then the skeleton staff for the final few months until they close the whole supermarket and we're going to lose our jobs. And I know what that means. It means that maybe the one person that's only earning 450 euros a month, that is your average supermarket worker now, full-time, 450 euros a month, that's their take-home wage, um, is going to lose that that money. And uh, maybe the families then won't have anything. So I said to her, wow, that's terrible. I said, okay, we're going to pray about the situation. I said, and I've just got one question to ask you. If... We were to ask the Lord, you know, we are going to ask the Lord, but if I was to ask you, what would be the best supermarket chain to come in and work? Who would you like? And she went, oh, that's simple. They're called Sclavenitas. They're a family-owned business, but they're only in Athens. They're nowhere in Greece, let alone, you know, help either. And I said, yet. So I said, so why don't we pray for Sclavenitas to come into Helkida and Evia and wherever. Now, Maria's looking at me to go, you're going to do what? You're going to pray this prayer? And I said, well, why not? Let's pray. So we prayed. Lord Jesus, you know these people are going to lose their jobs. We don't need any more job losses. We need this supermarket to be bought out by Sclavenitas. In Jesus' name, amen. That was it. The following week, I go back 10 o'clock at night to do the Alpha. Now I've got Peggy like this in the kitchen. And I went, okay, on the phone, just finished. I said, is everything okay? She goes, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe this. I cannot believe this. I went, okay, try me. She said, I've just come off the phone from my area manager who's informed me that secret talks were underway six months before, of which I knew nothing because I did she. She said, and a bid has come in this week with Sclavenitis, who have offered to take the entire chain right through the whole of Greece. So not just Helkida, not just Evia, but the entire Greece. And within a year, it was ratified, and uh, Peggy now works for Sclavenitas. Everybody's job was saved. So I said to Peggy, 
um, on the night of that. Wow, that's amazing. Praise God. I mean, to be honest, we were all going, I can't believe it. But why were we saying that? We were praying for an answer. And yet we're then going, I can't believe it. You know, like, come on. Believe your own prayers, by the way. That's a very good point to put in your diary. You know, you, you've asked for it, believe it. So, um, not only was Peggy, um, everybody in the supermarket safe, but Peggy was made the manageress of the superstore, which makes a massive big difference. And then Sclavonitis went through the entire Greece, and now there's, what, 360 stores in the whole of Greece. And not only did we get one little supermarket saved, we got a whole swathe of people's jobs saved, and that makes a massive difference. Isn't that great? Isn't God good? Woo! Did I know that there were secret talks? No, I didn't. Did I? Do you know what I mean? You just sometimes have to just go and take that step and ask the bigger question. It's got nothing to do with Mark or Trish Morgan, but it's got everything to do with the amazing, wonderful, big, awesome God. And that's the kind of mountain sometimes you face. You think, oh, this is too big, okay? But it's not to the Lord. Okay, it's, it's tough for us, and we'll say, wow, there it goes, the mountain. I don't know how we're going to get up this or get round it, God. But God does know. And I think what we've got to do more and more is just trust him for these faith-busting mountain prayers to sort of say, I don't know how this is going to move, but it says in the Word that if we tell it to move and we have faith as tiny as a mustard seed, this thing is going to shift. Some things, think, some things have to move. Some things you have to climb. Some things you have to go around the long way. I don't know why. Don't ask me. You know, as long as we're just not going round and round in circles and <laughs> just feeling, oh, that's weird. I've been here before. So, you know, we've got to trust the Lord in these mountain moments. We've got to trust the Lord and celebrate the victories when we get them. So in your communities, don't forget, get people to come forward and say, you know, we've prayed this prayer and guess what? God's broken through and answered prayer, you know, um, because the, we celebrate victories. And every time we celebrate victories, we stamp on his head a little bit more. And that's what we have to do more often. Remember, you know, the goodness of God is so fantastic and the enemy can only do so much but he does not get the final say. He hasn't. He never will. He never, ever will. Because Jesus is greater and stronger and God is more powerful. Woo-hoo! And I want to be on that winning team. That's me. That's the kind of God I want to pray to. That's the kind of God I want to serve. And let's just remind ourselves about having more faith for our prayers this evening. Yes, my baby. And two weeks later, Peggy became a Christian with Trish. Oh, yes. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that bit. That's right. <laughs> two weeks later, because what I didn't want to do was, you know, God had answered this prayer. You know, the temptation is, right, while she's all like, I don't believe this, let's get in there quick and make her. A, I wanted her to think about the fact that God had really answered the prayer. And a few weeks later, at the end of one of the alphas, I said, come on, Peggy. Who answered that? Yeah, God did. I said, so now why don't we just trust him? So, yes, yeah, she's come fully into the kingdom, and she's uh, born again, and praise the Lord for that. What, what we learned from that is that God had gone before us. God already had those meetings planned, and the talks were happening. We didn't know about that, but there was a mountain for us to climb. We had to trust God, say, come on, Trisha's going to pray that crazy prayer to save jobs at, at a supermarket. But God had gone before us, and we were catching up with God. So, so our challenge you, you tonight is, don't be scared of the mountain ahead of you. God's gone before you. He's got your, your back covered. Just go for it. Trust him and say, come on, we, we can do this. Let's take the risk. Let's do it.
Let's, let's take that mountain ahead of us, whatever it is for each one of you. So let's just pray for you guys. Yeah, Ben's going to come and lead us in the song which we've actually requested because uh, it's really spoken to our hearts and we're holding on to this song a lot ourselves. Um, but why don't we all stand? Thank you for listening. Thank you for your responses this evening. Um, I do believe God just seeds things into us. And both Malcolm and I had the same story about Caleb. That's why we shared it this evening because, um, you know, I had it, Malk had it, and we looked at one of them. I said, well, you take some of it and I'll talk a bit about celebrating victories. But he asked for the mountain at the age of 85. Now, we're not quite there. Well, I'm nowhere near there. <laughs> Thank you. Carry on. You know, God uses anybody in anything. Don't, That's you know, right. don't let age be a factor, you know. We don't want ageism in church. We love it with the lit ones. We love it with the older ones. I tell you what, the silver linings have some really good adventures in God still to have. Don't let anybody tell you that that's it, sit in an armchair and just talk about when, 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 when. You know, you can still talk about it now, okay? So God's into generational movements and church and change. But let's just for a second say, okay, God, what's my mountain? Maybe I haven't got one. Maybe I need to ask for one. Give me a mountain. My life is too comfortable. It's too level. Lord, I do need a challenge because I need to change and I need to grow. Or you have a mountain and it's sizing. It's massive. The thing with Caleb was that might have been promised to him years before. He went back to Joshua and said, remember the God had promised us? Now I want to claim that mountain. I think one or two of you here, I think God's promised you things, but you've not yet seen the fulfillment of it. You haven't gone and grabbed the mountain, but God says, now pick it up again. Rekindle those, the ancient path. Remember what God has promised you and uh, go for it again. Don't, it's, it's not over. It's not over. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.